Thanks for listening to this Word in Your Ear podcast. If you'd like to get early access to all our productions ad-free, priority booking for our live events, and to take part in our weekly quiz, go to patreon.com slash wordinyourear for more details. You should celebrate yourself every day, but some days you should celebrate with jewelry. Whether you want to commemorate an unforgettable moment or just bring some added sparkle to your collection, Blue Nile can offer you expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com today and experience the ease and convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. The Word is a proud media partner of Latitude Festival 2012. For more information and to purchase tickets, go to www.latitudefestival.co.uk. You're listening to a podcast from The Word. Yes, yes, yes. It's espresso. The size of my bladder. Christ, I'll never go back on the tube after one of those. That's right. I'll be busting by Baron's cool. Oh, it's awful. So anyway, really. Yeah. Curious experience this week, which was to listen to The Word podcast while not having taken any part in it. So I'm walking down the road and I'm listening to Mark talking to Mark Billingham, the the crime writer, about um, well, it's before you got to talking about books. I was already I was standing. I had stood stock still in the middle of the street. Cross. Well done. (laughs) No, you didn't do anything wrong at all. But I I felt myself suddenly. I I was walking in the shoes of a podcast listener because you were you were offering what I considered a controversial opinion. Which was the the Beatles, Devil in Her Heart. Oh, here we go. Oh, God. Was not a good record. <laughs> no, no, but that wasn't That's an opinion. Sorry. It's a fact. It's, well, this is, I don't it's know, not Sometimes you fact. misunderstand this. These it's are absolutely... a well-known fact that there are five bad Beatles songs. That's one of them. All right, first point, not a Beatles song. OK, well, I said it wasn't a Beatles song. Okay, it was recorded by It was an Beatles. R&B hit by yeah, yeah, the Donnays yeah, yeah. or something that they, that yeah. they just liked. It's quite a good song, but ruined by the Beatles. Oh, now he's shifting his ground, listeners. If I know this, I would have stood still longer in the they street. They made a dog's dinner of it. <laughs> no, it's just really... they did with Mr Moonlight, which they didn't write up, did it's they? Really, it's just really funny how this kind of bolt of indignation goes through oh. you while you're listening to somebody talking about, you know, uh, you know, uncelebrated Beatles songs. But this, did this also lead to, or was it just parallel with, the thread on the Word website about... Great Beatles records and bad Beatles. Those records. threads followed the podcast. They followed the podcast. Did they? Okay, right. So, so, okay. I have no quarrels with the good 
the good Beatles songs. You know, you can compile your own. There's three or four of them. It's very, it's very easy to do. Oh, three those five. <laughs> Well, I found myself falling out with the idea of the bad ones. Because the things that people nominate as the bad ones are always... Well, go on, guess what they are, Mark. You might not have looked at well, the thread. I haven't looked at the thread, so obviously my five will be in there, which is Maxwell, obviously. Love me do, which is absolutely... No, I know you're going to be... OK, oh. but you're going to be controversial. Fraser, tell oh, me what I, they are. More, okay. more. Well, I love well, Maxwell Silverhammer. So no. I'm not the right well, person see, to ask. I like Maxwell Silverhammer. No, so I've got nothing against it at all. I like it. You know, if you, if you, Michelle. you know, if I, you, I, do, I, you I, I, lo- I love Michelle. Michelle. I don't like. It's I love terrible. Michelle. I hate Obladi. Oh, okay. You're the same cab as Maxwell, aren't you? It's the old umpire music. I like. I don't like the other. Joanna. But you see, my point. My point is, you know, it's like Revolution Number Nine. You know, we all think so. You know, nobody in the world leaves it on when they're playing the White Album or anything like that, do they? You know, particularly it's what the CD remote control was invented for, wasn't it? Revolution number nine. But you like the Flick. idea of it, don't you? <laughs> well, like, absolutely. Like Ulysses. Nobody reads Ulysses. It's the same <laughs> thing, aren't they, really? OK. And because I, I was very persuaded by Paul McCartney's point when he was being interviewed for the anthology films some years ago, where he said, he said, some people say the Beatles' White Album would be better as a single disc, you know. And he says, I say, get over it. It's the <laughs> Beatles' White Album. <laughs> and I thought, that's a really sound piece of reasoning. Yeah. Because the charm of that record is its excesses. Yeah. Is its mad, you know, ambition, which is, you know, which is... The reach is greater than the grasp all the way through yeah, the record. And some know. of the best bits on it are by individuals when the others are out of the country or not in the studio. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just saying, I'm going to put this down. So it's it's this kind of it's all that crazed untidiness, all that all that you know. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do Revolution Number Nine just to upset Paul. I'm going to do Honey Pie just to upset John, which is all part of the Beatles story, isn't it? You know, it's that stuff off of the edges of what they are, is as much them no, as Strawberry Fields Forever or I Want to Hold Your Hand. But how does this legitimise uh, Mr Moonlight, though, Dave? <laughs> I, I see your point and I accept it, but there are some that are, you know, crimes against humanity and unforgivable, aren't they? But very few. I, I'm saying, if, if Mr Moonlight is the worst thing a band have, d- have done in their career, they've got off pretty lightly, I would say. You know, that's not much of a skeleton in the closet, is it, really? To be fair. No, it's not, but it's just the idea of trying to find fault with the fabs is entertaining in itself, because <laughs> you know how fundamentally wrong it is <laughs> and how thin the ice is upon which you stand. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it's like, no, but it's like if you tidied up the fabs, then you don't make them any better, do you? You know what I mean? Maybe great... you need the old Mr <clears throat> Moonlight as ballast uh, against which to match uh, the great masterpieces. You know, maybe you need that. You'd make them less interesting if you got rid of those songs. Yeah, you would. You do. You do. You don't make anybody any happier by yeah. getting rid of that stuff at all. So anyway, on Tuesday night, after the Word in Your Ear gig with uh, uh, Scritti Politti and the Portico Quartet, I left the gig determined on one thing. And I've, I've, I've got a new policy as far as buying vinyl is concerned. I've decided I want to buy loads of vinyl. If I had my way, I'd just buy tons of it, absolutely all the time. But it's really expensive. You know, it's sort of 20 quid or whatever. So I've, my new policy is going to be I will buy new vinyl of acts that I've seen or met. Right? So a little bit, a little bit of a souvenir of the, of the encounter, yeah? yeah? Because I realised I missed a chance to do this with Emily Barker and the Red Calais Halo at the previous 
wedding urea because they were selling vinyl. I should have bought that, and I just didn't think to do it. So anyway, as I'm leaving the gig, I'm thinking, great, they'll have a little table set up near the door, and I can buy the vinyl. Of course, they weren't. For some reason, they didn't. And I went home. Did they have CDs? They didn't appear to have anything at all. It's screeny video, do Yes. Do they they still put stuff out in vinyl? Well, yeah, and this is, we'll come to the, we'll, we'll explain this in a moment. So I go home thinking, well, I'm going to have a look on the Rough Trade site or the Rough Trade shop, see if I can buy the vinyl of this record. I'll want, I'm prepared to give you 20 quid for this record, yes? <laughs> you know, people complain about, you know, how difficult times are in the record business. <laughs> I'm going to give you 20 quid. And I said, I couldn't find the record at all. And, and so I eventually thought, well, I want, I want it. This is his last record. I love the image of you running into a record shop, sort of waving great fistful of notes, like people waiting in a bar <laughs> to be served. You know? and this, this last record called, uh, what, what's it called? White, White, White Bread, Black, Black Beer. Beer, which came out a few years ago, which he played a few songs from when he did uh, the podcast. And it's a wonderful record. I've heard it on Spotify. God, it's a good record. And... Uh, but I can't buy it, so I have to buy the next best thing, which is the CD, right? So I order the CD from Amazon, okay? And I come in the following morning, and I say to Fraser, I say, I've tried to, tried to buy the record. Fraser, you had done the same thing, hadn't I'd you? I'd done exactly the same thing. I'd gone home and I'd looked at the Rough Trade shop, uh, Rough Trade website, the label website, and uh, the, they no longer sell the vinyl. So I'd gone on to discogs.com, which is usually the place for buying cheap a reasonably priced uh, stuff that's no longer in print, and they had no copies. And I went to eBay and I found one for £12.99. So you bought, for £12.99, a second-hand, yeah. yes, pre-loved the copy. Fact, the the tracks that you particularly like, friends, they may have an enormous cigarette burn in well, them. Well, he's prepared. Well, the, the, that's the, the, the risk you're <coughs> taking. But here's the point. Yeah. Here's, here's the point. How much did you pay, pay Fraser, for the second-hand version of the vinyl? £12.99. How much did I pay for the CD... Delivered to my door the following day. I'd say a third of that price. Two pounds fifty. Two pounds fifty. And you think no. the record business is mad? And it hasn't got any you know, jam on track. Here, am I, here, am, here am I. You know, we're standing out in the street. Going, twenty pounds. Derek hasn't written all over the sleeve. To anybody who can bring me a copy of you know, a, 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 a vinyl copy of this record, and I end up getting this thing for two pounds fifty. It sort of makes no sense at all, does no. it? Really? Because out of the two pounds fifty. How much of is Green getting from that? I mean, he'd be so thrilled to think you went back and, and tried to buy. A and he, he's not getting anything from my, he's not his life. No. no, exactly. No, 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 no. It's, it's madness. But anyway, that's going to be my policy in the future. I'm going to buy vinyl, or buy acts I've seen or met. Do you think that makes yeah, sense? Yeah, I think it does. Yeah, it, it certainly limits expenditure, which is the important thing. <laughs> There's a little vinyl um, market that uh, comes to the, the Roman Catholic Church Hall around the corner from where I live once a month. I just can't help, you know that, you just, I can't help going in there. And it's awful. And I go in and I look in the same boxes at the same records that were probably there last month. You're looking at stuff you already own. Looking at stuff I already own. I remember Giles Smith said that brilliantly about how he always went into record shops to see if, you know, if, if his favourite crew has ever made any records that he never actually bought. It's just a surprise release. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I finished up last time. I, I, I told you, I bought a, I put a, a bootleg of, of, of metal by the Pink Floyd. I mean, I don't need this. I don't. Have, have you played it? I've played it once, yeah. Skimmed through. Yeah. <laughs> I've, and then I left it sort of rather like ostentatiously leaning against the record player, hoping it might provoke conversation with, with my wife, which of course it, it wouldn't <laughs> because she's massively uninterested yeah. in Pink Floyd and in bootlegs generally, apart from her enormous collection of Dylan bootlegs, which I think numbers something like 76. Good grief. Can't be worth everything. So, anyway, that's Tuesday night's gig, which was astonishing, wasn't it? Very good, I thought. Yeah, it was one of the best 
yet. No, of the games that we've had. Terrific. It was absolutely And uh, I think I think Backward Seven has actually has actually written Where's about it on the on the, uh, oh, on the on the blog. This is his um, <laughs> this is his version of it. Where are we? He says um, yeah, no, he starts off talking about the the, the, the DJ. <laughs> he says, uh, "He says, well, this is why you don't call upon boys to do a man's job. If you want this kind of set, you summon David Hepworth. And very nice from Dave. Say these nice things about you. Just you played some Hank Williams at one point. I did. You also played a song by I can't remember who. It might have been Mighty Sparrow or something like." Give back my wife's nighties. The wife's nighties. Well, it's it's not Mighty Sparrow, is it? Who is it? it? It's it's Lord fat... Kitchener, I think. Kitch- Kitchener. I think it's Kitchener. Kitchener. Oh, that's a great track. It's fantastic. It's it very, very good. <laughs> and he says, um, yeah, yeah, he says, I'm, I'm, I'm going to buy the Portico Quartet's album on the strength of last night's performance, although home listening will take away some of the pleasure of watching them methodically piece together their abstract sonic collages. Duncan Bellamy sitting stage right from the audience's point of view, behind what may very loosely be described as a drum kit, extracting a weird, brittle sound from a cymbal. It wasn't a cymbal, was it? What was that? They did have cymbals. They were kind of like a sort of bent... Oh, they were the... the, the, They go in the right. Well, those are like gamelan. um, Extraordinary. Balinese, I think. It looked like he was going to lift up (coughs) these hemispherical brass lids and reveal a a, a barbecue cheese. (laughs) Uh, fingers crossed. I was rather hoping, anyway. It's extraordinary, really, because I'm in my Maybe DJ my DJ eerie above the stage. Yeah. And it's a small stage, and it's packed with equipment, isn't it, from both groups. It's yeah. astonishing. And they had to pick their way around it between, you know, one of the... I was trying to allowed on stage. That was fair enough. <laughs> yeah, fair I was going to... Well, I was trying to get, give you a beer or something, and, and Scrittability's uh, manager came up and said, ah, you really, you simply cannot enter this zone. You know, it's full of uh, it's flashing not, diodes. Because it's not as if... Huge quantities of electrical cable. And it's not <laughs> as if you've got big feet. No, 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 no. And, uh, I don't and every, through have your reputation <laughs> No, God, no. <laughs> putting your feet in litter bins. <laughs> No, he says, what else does he say? There's a bit more about uh, Portico. He says, I, 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 Scritability, he says, I can't think of a band even remotely like Scritability. I've never heard anybody claim to be influenced by them. That's interesting, actually. Their yeah. own influences seem to be more literary than musical and are overshadowed by the idiosyncrasies of their chief songwriter, Green Gartside. It's very well written, this, isn't it? It is. Really well done. Who's soulful, vaguely... You see, we have vocal. readers who can write yeah. better than most magazines. Yeah, they really has, uh, are as pure, as crystal clear as they were in the 80s. I, I was talking, that's very well put. There's uh, somebody I was talking to, I think it might be Dr. Volume, actually. I think the great Volume had made a really good point. The good about doctor. <laughs> the good doctor. The, the rock and roll doctor. Any aches and pains? <laughs> yes, it's. Now, are you a doctor now? And I never bothered. Right, well, two, two Comsat <laughs> angels on the air every hour. You feel a whole lot better until symptoms subside. Now, I said to the doctor, made the point that uh, he said, if you'd gone to see any other group of that era, Playing what Scriptability played, which was effectively a greatest hit set with yeah, yeah, songs. They, oh, they did all the best notes. But they played all their best notes to the point where they actually played the first song he ever wrote, Skank Block Bologna, which he wrote in 1977, which is wonderful to hear. And he said, if you went to see that experience with any other group, it would be essentially nostalgia. And he said he didn't feel it was. And I thought it was a really interesting point because in normally, if you'd seen, obviously we're talking about a slightly cheesy render of this, it was Kim Wilde or Howard Jones or something, it's going to be a bit cheesy. People accept that we're going back in time and revisiting a, a moment in our lives. But it didn't seem like that at all. No, it it wasn't remotely nostalgic. I mean, they played the songs obviously on dis- different instrumentation and with different lineup, but they sounded extraordinarily authentic, actually. I'm sure we can come to that later, actually. It was very much the sound that they'd made at the time. But I felt that the whole thing seemed to be kind of moving forward and it seemed to be 
very, very contemporary. I, I didn't sit, think for a moment about my life back in 1984. When I, <laughs> you, you think it's also... I know what you mean. There who, who were of exactly the same age. I know what you mean. 47, 47, 48, 49, you know, that was the, that's the key age when scriptability singles would have really hit you. And I don't think any of them were sitting there thinking, God, I've got to get the old gang together. OK, but... The old, girl, the old girls from school were all going to see scriptability. It wasn't like that. It come at this at a different angle. You know, what are the contemporaneous hit records the, of scrutability? You know, what else was happening at the time? I don't know, the Human League or... Yeah? Would it be? Yeah. I think if you went and listened to the Human League records from that time, I don't think they'd sound as good as the scrutability records from that time. Because I think the scrutability records were sort of ahead of their time or kind of out of time. I think time. that's possible. And, and, and you therefore, caught up with them. They, 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 it's not like... It's, you don't feel that your heart doesn't think, that, oh, we're going back to that sound or anything like that. You know, they're off in a bit of time of their own, you know, which is a great, yeah. it's a great strength if you can do it. You know, and very often, very often the records that are like that are the records that are hardly produced at all. I've always got the theory that you know that's the reason Bob Dylan's great records still sound great nowadays. They don't sound produced because he wouldn't let anybody produce them. <laughs> that's true. Well, scriptability <laughs> can be many more produced. Absolutely. But another, thing, another thing that that, that 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 struck me was that it's very, very, very complicated music and thought processes. I mean, Green Gartside is a major intellectual. He has a very um, touching ability to stand outside of himself and send himself up, actually. He was doing that, wasn't he, the other night? Sort of, you know, it was very much where postmodernism meets pop reggae, yeah. it was, you know. Well, and uh, he, he talked about all the you know, I don't know, Baudelaire or something at one point, the things that influenced them and the, the things they wrote songs about. So you've got, firstly, very complicated intellectual thought processes. You've then got an extremely complicated uh, kind of Marxist political dimension in the early days. You've then got... Six or seven different types of music: um, Black American soul music, reggae. Obviously, you've got uh, hip hop, uh, hip hop, massive hip hop, just electro and kind of a, a strange flanging ambient noise. All of those things are on paper complicated and even more complicated when you throw them into the mix. And yet, the experience of watching that group on stage is not challenging at all. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. It's just a beautiful it's easy, pop music. Yes. It's very easy experience. I think that's the great. Um, I think that's a great, a, a great characteristic actually, and quite rare because actually in pop music it's often the other way around. People have quite simple ideas and they try and make them look more complicated than they actually are. Yeah, do you know what I mean? To kind of give it some edge and give it some character. And you know, I thought that I thought it was extraordinary. You have been listening to the free feed of the Word podcast. The full album-length version is only available to subscribers to the magazine. To sign up. And to hear the rest of this podcast, go to www.wordpodcast.co.uk. Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. The future isn't scary, not realizing its potential, however, could be. Just like on the recruiting trail, I've seen potential come in many forms as a coach. Learn more at Invesco.com QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc.,